0: Welcome to the Good Future Podcast, and this week, or indeed this month, I'm doing things a little differently. I'm bringing you a series of conversations that explores how we can have impact by investing in public markets. Impact investing has a long history in private markets, but when it comes to investing in public companies that are listed on a stock exchange, it's a lot harder to measure your impact and to influence the companies you're investing in. And my guests for this series are all up for the challenge. They're pioneering investment managers that all have their own strategies and their foundational philosophies for pursuing impact are unique. So the first cab off the rank is Kerry Series and his fund, Inspire Australian Equities. Kerry's worked across the length and breadth of equities in Australia, but it's launching his own equities fund that I feel he's found his groove. The firm is based in Sydney and they focus solely on Australian stocks. They're doing pioneering work in identifying high-impact companies, while also engaging with them to do even better. So much so that they're the first Australian listed equity product to be certified as IMPACT under RIA's updated RI certification assessment framework. Now Kerry has plenty to say on the subject, so I'll let him tell you all about it. But first, I'd like to introduce you to the sponsor of this series, and that's the ACCR, the Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility. The ACCR engages with companies as a shareholder, advocating for them to improve their environmental and social practices, and in the process, make their company more sustainable. It's no easy feat, but through a modest holding of shares and with the help of a high performing team, They put forward shareholder resolutions that focus on positive social and environmental outcomes. They're a group of pragmatic lawyers and finance experts. And by utilising shareholder resolutions, they approach some of Australia's biggest companies in a forum they can't ignore. Now, to put a resolution forward, at least 100 shareholders in a company must come together. So... If you hold shares in ASX listed companies and want to be involved in holding them to account on their environmental and social impacts, then let ACCR know about it. Head to accr.org.au slash shareholders to get involved. They're independent, not for profit, and they're taking action for more sustainable businesses in Australia. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kerry, and I hope you get a lot out of it. We dive deep into his investment approach. And so I do need to emphasize that, as always, nothing in this podcast is financial advice. Please do seek your own professional advice before making investment decisions. You can catch the full disclaimer at the end of the episode. And dear listener, I implore you, please do consider leaving a review of this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's super simple. You can leave a comment right there in the app and I would appreciate it because it's the best way to help more people find the show. All right, let's get going. Here's my conversation with Kerry series. Here we go. Kerry, great to have you here today. Thanks for giving us some time. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. Now, I've wanted to have you on the show for quite some time. You've had a really diverse career. But today, I want to focus on your impact fund. It's called the Inspire Australian Equities Fund. You published your second impact report last year for the fund. People can find that on your website. It's a great read, lots of detail there. But today I have some questions to go even deeper into the nature of the fund and and to dig deeper into this puzzle of how to have impact by investing in public equities. So to get us started, I've got a few questions, but let's just start with a few easy ones. The first question is, well, look, it was going to be what's the coverage, but I'm guessing it's Australia only, right?
1: Yeah, that's right, John. So the Aussie stock market is our domain. And I I launched the fund four and a half years ago, focused solely on the Australian stock market, although our, our ambition is broader than that.
0: Okay, so hoping to go global at some stage?
1: Yeah, I think there's a great opportunity to apply the philosophy and process that we've developed for the Australian equities fund and to apply that to global equities markets.
0: Okay, very good. And how many stocks are in there at the moment?
1: So in the Australian Equities Fund, uh, we've got about 45 stocks in the portfolio at the moment. The expected range is sort of 40 to 50 stocks.
0: Very good. And can we ask how much is in there in terms of funds under management? Maybe a ballpark figure?
1: Sure. We're just shy of 20 million, but it's growing very nicely.
0: Very good. Very good. And now what is the key outcome that you're targeting with your investment? You know, what's the impact theme?
1: Yeah, great great question, John. So maybe the way to answer that is to talk about the three pillars that we apply when we think about impact investing in listed equities. And pillar number one, which I think goes directly to your question, is that we want to invest in companies that are intentionally doing good for society or the environment. So that their business, that their core business, and in, in most of the cases, it's all of their business, is directed towards activities which contribute to solutions to the social and environmental challenges that we face. We have what we describe as ten impact focus areas, and I can talk about how we arrived at those, but they're quite they're quite broad. Um, so they range from affordable housing, education, healthy living, renewable energy, through to well-being. so we we invest across all of those. Impact focus
0: areas. Great. I mean, you mentioned three key themes. Was that one of three, or did, were they all captured in there?
1: There's three pillars. So the first pillar is this idea of intentional positive impact. So when we analyse a company that we're going to invest in, uh, what we're looking for, you know, we're not, we're not looking for transition or that they're improving their ESG factors. We're looking at their core business has positive, uh, intentional positive impact. That's pillar one for us. Pillar two is is additionality what on what more do we do as an impact investor as opposed to a normal stock market investor. And pillar three is, is measurement. And as, as you described earlier, we publish an annual impact report. But I think pillar one goes to your your question here.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I'm keen to sort of understand the lens that you look through when you identify these companies. And as you said, you've got these 10 focus areas, which, which is quite broad. Do they narrow your focus? do they do they focus on you know certain outcomes? Is there a certain change that you're trying to drive in the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, the process we adopted to define the social and environmental challenges, the framework that we use is the UN SDGs. And what we did there was we looked at the targets that sit behind the seventeen SDGs and analysed those those targets. And we determined that there were 76 targets that could be contributed to by investing in a business and that, and that business then contributing to the solution. So we go through a, a process when we look at every company that uh, as to whether it can make it into our impact universe. Does it contribute to a solution to one of the SDG targets? That's the process we go through to define whether a company is suitable for our, for our impact universe.
0: Okay, very good. And and an opportunity to be a little bit more philosophical about it here and you know, pulling the focus back a little bit as sustainable investment becomes more and more popular, the nuance of the differences between all of the different strategies out there can be lost. And, and people tend to use terms like ESG and impact investment somewhat synonymously so i'd love to get your view on on how you define impact as distinct from something like esg
1: yeah i mean it's a great question john and obviously you could say that every business has impact on society and the environment many of them have negative impacts and a number have positive impacts but when we think about impact investing and and the approach we're taking we are focused solely on that positive impact part of the stock market. And and how that differentiates us from ESG funds or or ESG more generally, I sort of think that ESG is is effectively mainstream now, who who doesn't take into account environmental social governance factors when they're analyzing a company. The difference is we are purposefully, intentionally setting out shift capital to companies that positively impact society and the environment. Uh, The outputs, the outcomes, the impact of their business activities does something positive for the world and you know when we look at the whole spectrum of responsible investing there's great work being done all the way along the chain there's amazing engagement by many funds very big funds with all companies around their esg factors uh, and we do that as well but i think impact investing and you know, maybe we should describe it as positive impact investing takes you to a different segment, uh, a different style of investing, a different way of thinking about how you approach investing. And as I say, you know, pillar number one is, you know, we won't invest in a company that is doing something that is neutral for society or the environment, and clearly not a company that's doing something negative. We're not looking to invest in a company that's doing something neutral and see them improve the way they do business. We're looking for companies that are, that are driving the, the solutions to our environmental and social problems. What I think is really important in this space is that the clients, the end investors, are, are getting what they want, that they understand what they're investing in and the fund does what they expect it to do. For us and you know, for my money, what I want to be invested in are you know, the companies in the sectors that I've described. I want, I want to be invested in education companies and healthcare companies and renewable energy companies because I see those as the solutions to our, our social environmental challenges. And I think there's a group of clients who you know it's not enough for them for their money to be not doing harm we, we can talk about the ABC of responsible investing you know a is avoiding harm okay I think that's a baseline for, for many people then there's benefiting stakeholders and then there's contributing to solutions and and where I see impact investing is in contributing to solutions and I, and I think increasing a lot of end clients are looking for a fund that does that rather than the fund that is just engaging on on esg factors with neutral or even negative companies
0: and getting a little technical what's your impact management practice what are some of your processes and and what frameworks do you use
1: i'll go to pillar two with this which is additionality in the way we think about it i i was introduced to the concept concept of impact investing by, by a good friend of mine simon should back in 2012 and it took me until 2017 to, to launch my fund. So I put a few years into the philosophy and the process behind what we do. Uh, and then, you know, over the last four and a half years, I think we've we've evolved further. So a lot of what we do, I would describe as, we, you know, we've developed it from the bottom up. And so if I think about pillar two and additionality, what we have within our team is we have a dedicated beef impact officer, uh, Mike Van Nierkirk, his role is... To be the guardian of the universe, so that of our impact universe, so that only those companies that, that meet our very high bar make it into our universe. And then to work with myself and Claudia in the, in the investment team to meet with companies, to ask them the questions from the impact point of view and do the impact engagement with myself and Claudia, and then ultimately to produce the impact report. So when we, when we talk about additionality, we think there are two main factors that apply to impact investors in listed equities. But the first one is we, we have a great desire to put new capital into companies. So although they're trading on the stock market and people can buy and sell their shares, where we can, what we like to do is invest at the time of IPO or when the company is raising new capital, so through a placement or a rights issue, in order to grow their business and scale their business. So putting new capital to work, even though this comes to list on on stock market, is an important factor for us. And then the second one is around engagement. But we think about engagement, I, I think, differently from, from many other investors. So we see two levels of engagement. We describe it as engaging around the what, what the company does, the impact that it has, and then engaging around the how, how they do business. And I think of the ESG sort of factors as the how they do business, We care about those, we think they're important and we engage on those. But as I say, I think there are lots of great funds, very large funds, the super funds that have ESG teams, engagement teams that do great work in that area. Where I think we differentiate uh, as an impact investor is we're interested in engaging around the what the company does, its mission and purpose, uh, the culture in the company, and then the impact that it has and how the company can scale their activities and increase their impact, uh, and then finally, how they can measure and, and report on their impact. And so for us, the engagement with the companies is really focused on, you know, on, on what they do. We have our own framework, which looks, in fact, at net impact. So we look at both the positive and the, and the negative impacts of the companies we invest in, uh, and we use that framework for our engagement with all of our portfolio companies and, and companies in our universe.
0: And of course, this, this amorphous challenge of measuring impact, the challenge is compounded in public markets because, you know, you don't have as much influence. They sort of have certain rules about what, what data they do need to release and often they simply can't get the information. So how do you sort of collate the information that's there? Do you, do you depend just on company data? Do you make your own assessments on, you know, raw data like revenue ratios? How do you manage that?
1: We committed when I launched the impact fund beginning in 2017 to produce an annual impact measurement report. And we we have actually produced four of them. The last two are the better looking and better produced ones because Mike was responsible for those. I I did the first two on my own. And they're about 80 pages long. We go into every single company in the portfolio. We have full transparency for investors and potential investors uh, into all of the companies in our portfolio. We list them on our website we make our impact report publicly available we go through each of the portfolio companies and, and look at the outputs outcomes and where we can impact that the companies have achieved over the last 12 months a lot of that comes from the publicly available information and we do use our own ratios and include those in in the report but there's a lot of engagement with our companies around this process so we start with the portfolio at 30 June, that's that cutoff date. And then we're aiming to reduce the impact report by December. And so through that period, we typically get the annual results, the annual report, the AGMs and an opportunity to engage with the companies. And so through that process, we build the data and we produce the impact measurement report. Now you're absolutely right, it is, it is hard to get data. I think we're very early in this process. You know, if we have a chance to expand the conversation, the measurement of impact, both positive and negative, is gonna be one of the big trends of the the coming years and decades. And I think we're very early on that journey. So in our report, you'll see a lot of what I would describe as as outputs. You know, the number of students that were educated, the number of affordable homes that were built, where we would love to get to is getting to the ultimate beneficiaries and what, and what was the impact on their life? What is the benefit of the affordable home? What is the quality of the home? You know, how did it change their life? I did the impact measurement course at, at Oxford Uni in 2018. And at the, at the beginning of the course, you know, they said this is difficult and there are no answers. And I was like, OK, well, this is, this is going to be a long week. But I think it's very important for investing. It's very important for the evolution of the economic system that we set out to measure the social and environmental impacts and uh, my view is these these factors are ultimately going to be required of companies we, we can see that trend already starting they're, they're going to be measured reported and i think ultimately they're going to be priced and there will be penalties and incentives based on social and environmental impacts of companies
0: yeah, well let me pull on that thread because I think it's very interesting. And 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 that's this concept of going beyond just measuring, you know, the outputs of, of how many widgets are produced. And it's actually what is the the welfare impact? How have you increased the well-being of the people who have, you know, bought your product or or paid for your service? So, you know, that's all been pioneered in the private markets. But as you're working driving this forward into the the public markets, what's sort of your hope, then, what's your vision of of how this could operate? And, and obviously, I think a big part of that is it doesn't matter what you, as investors you do, you have to kind of convince the companies to not only shift the way they operate, but also the way they report their processes. Um, you know, there are accounting processes, there's lots of layers to it. So what are the key sort of hopes you have for the future?
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly right, John. There, there are lots of layers. I mean, it's a fascinating area and I love it as an aspect of what we're involved in as as impact investors. And I think it'll, it'll be great to see the, the evolution of it through time. I mean, you mentioned it at the heart of it. We need to understand from companies, what are the ultimate social and environmental impacts of their business? And we need to find ways of measuring that or reporting on it that are meaningful. And it it is a complex area. I mean, I I did a lot of engagement with the aged care, listed aged care companies before the Royal Commission. What I was hearing from them was that they had lots of data, but none of it was required to be publicly released or even shared across the industry. And it was only through the Royal Commission that we we found out a lot of the bad behaviours that had occurred, which I think if the data had been made available and public, the problems that have occurred may have been revealed much earlier. My hope, obviously, is that for each sector, you know, we can find the appropriate measures, that companies embrace the idea of measuring and and reporting. You know, I think, as I say, aged care being an example, they did have the data, it's just that they don't report it. And with a number of companies that we engage with, you know, they ask us what data we think would be relevant, what metrics would be relevant for their industry. It is early stages, but it's developing and, you know, it's inevitable, I think, it will be required of companies. As I, as I say, governments will ultimately seek to incentivize, positively and negatively, companies in terms of their behaviour and its impacts on society and the environment.
0: Yeah, no, we could talk about that area for hours, Kerry, but, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate that. And just one final question, and this one might be putting you on the spot a little bit, but it is which company in Australia or anywhere in the world is having the most impact right now? Is there a company that you really like that you think they've got this perfect balance of solid returns that are being driven by the, the positive impact that they're having on the world?
1: Yeah, John, I mean, it's a great question. It's, it's, rare. it's quite challenging. You know, I've got a portfolio of 45 companies and i have to say, I love them all. I love what they do. I love their intents and their missions. And although our portfolio is an all cap portfolio, and we do have some large caps, so there are, you know, clearly there are companies like Cochlear, which have had amazing impact on the world and generated financial returns as well. Yeah. Our portfolio is largely biased towards smaller companies. And there's many that I could call out that have the potential to have truly life-changing impacts, massive savings to, for example, the healthcare system but they're early stage, so they, they still need to execute. One company that is executing, it's, I mean, it's in the renewable energy sector. It's our largest holding, so it's in our report, so people can see that it's our, our, our largest holding, uh, is a company called GenX Power. Uh, there's a couple of things I love about the story. One is that the team that founded it, uh, they founded it company by buying a disused gold mine, about an hour's flight northwest of Townsville in Queensland, kind of in in the red zone, what the most solar intense zone in Australia. What they did was they started by building a 50 megawatt solar plant. And the great news was that there was a transmission line which which went from Townsville to the gold mine. And so all they had to do was reverse the transmission line. And now they power the equivalent of 22,000 houses in Townsville. Where the story gets really exciting for me is they're now developing a 250 megawatt pumped hydro storage facility you know the first one built in australia in over 40 years once it's completed and it's it's already fully funded you know gen x will have invested over a billion dollars in renewable energy generation and storage and this is a company that currently has a 250 million dollar market cap so i mean an amazing achievement by that team and you know we've, we've had a good return on our investment we invested in it four and a half years ago We've supported them in, in several capital raises in that four-and-a-half-year period, and I would hope we'll be holding the stock in you know, five to ten years' time, and they will have scaled up even more in terms of their renewable energy investments. So I just think it's a great example of a relatively small company that is really driving the investment into the renewable energy sector.
0: Very good. Oh, thank you for that story. I think that's really interesting, and you know, people I'm sure will know Cochlear, And Gen X Power, you know, they've had their story getting out and being told more and more. And you mentioned some of the other smaller ones. Are are there another couple of names that people might not have heard about that you wanted to mention just to put them on people's radar?
1: (laughs) Maybe I should have started the disclaimer earlier that it's not investment advice. What I'm doing is describing companies that are in our portfolio and we have a diversified portfolio of 45 stocks
0: exactly right no financial advice just general advice only
1: correct a couple of companies that i find really uplifting to be an investor in and you know they are they're both relatively early in their development but one is volpara health technologies the mission of the md and ralph heinem you know his mission is no woman should die from breast cancer so they have software which is already being rolled out in places around the world, which helps with the early detection of breast cancer. And if it can be detected early, then obviously it can be treated and death can be prevented. And that's his mission. You know, it's a New Zealand company listed on the the ASX, but you know, incredible mission. Their software is already used. I think in the US, something like 27% of all mammograms are using Volpara software. It's early stage, but it's absolutely out there. I mean, an amazing mission great software, and just incredible impact. And another one, which is much earlier stage, uh, is a company called Proteomics, again, one of our large holdings. They develop tests using protein markers for diseases or conditions where there's either no test or or there's a very expensive, inefficient test. They've brought a test to market, which is now being commercialised for diabetic kidney disease. And there are 460 million People worldwide with diabetes and, and growing, one in three goes on to develop diabetic kidney disease. You know, so this is a horrendous disease. It can cause death, dialysis, transplants, very expensive for the healthcare system. Uh, and, and their test is a predictive test. And so once someone has diabetes, you know, it, it assesses their risk of developing diabetic kidney disease. You know, the idea is you, should, you change your lifestyle, but also there are drugs available to treat diabetic. Kidney disease. And so this test could reduce the number of people that go on to develop diabetic kidney disease, you know, obviously amazing impact on someone's quality of life and a huge saving to the healthcare system. You know, it's very early in its development. But these are the kind of companies that we invest in. And you know, whether it's from a cochlear through to a Gen X for Paraproteomics, I get very excited about the contribution to society and the environment that these companies are making. And so love being investors in them our ambition is to be very long-term investors we have very low portfolio turnover so gen x for example we've been invested in from day one of our fund you know and i hope with these others that we'll be invested in them for you know five to ten plus years
0: oh thank you carrie now look that's all really great some really good insights there i think it's exciting to dig into this space for my listeners to really nut out how to have impact in the listed markets so much potential there simply because it's such a huge market right so much bigger than private markets and so thank you for that we've known each other for a while and, and I do want to have you on at a later date and then we can dig into some of these deeper philosophical issues but but great to give an overview of the fund for everyone so thank you Kerry. Oh,
1: thanks so much for having me on
0: Information in this podcast is not intended as financial advice. If there has been mention of financial products, it should not be taken as a recommendation and it shouldn't be relied upon. It does not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or the particular needs of any potential investor. You should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. If you're in Australia, you can visit moneysmart.gov.au for more details.